0: Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Ryzen podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and on this special Bellator edition of We Are Ryzen, we are joined once again by Teep to the Junk. Teep, thank you so much for your time to talk about the recent Bellator card that just happened, Bellator 238. Yes, thanks for having me, brother. No problem, no problem. So, yes, there was a Bellator 238 card yesterday, January 25th, at the Forum in Englewood, California, uh, main evented by Chris Cyborg versus Julia Budd for the Women's Featherweight Championship. But uh, I'll be honest, I saw a lot of the finishes to the card and not the full fights, but there is a lot of connections to Ryzen on this card. Uh, So I think that there's a, a lot of crossover between uh, what's going on in Bellator now and in Ryzen. And, and since you saw the entire show, Teep, you know, do you want to just talk about what happened on this card yesterday? Any notable finishes or outcomes from this show that, that you think should be mentioned?
1: Man, there's, there's quite a lot to unpack, even in a, an abbreviated form. But I would say... Probably the best place to start was the reemergence of Aaron Pico throwing
0: them hands with Daniel Scary Carey. Did you get to see that whole fight, or at least finish? I did see the finish, um, and uh, Pico once again uh, showing that his uh, his boxing has not improved. His stand up has improved, particularly uh, his uh, his forearms. Use of, using his forearms in this case. Um, if you wanted to say. I would probably have to say it shouldn't be Daniel Scary Carry, but Aaron Scary Pico. Um, what an interesting fighter uh, Pico is. None of his fights have ever gone the distance. They've all been finishes, uh, including his losses. I think it's a very, you know, I definitely have to say, he's one of the more, he's one of the fighters of Bellator that I look forward to because I think it's more or less guaranteed there's going to be a finish either for him or on his opponent, which is great because, you know, who doesn't love finishes in MMA? Uh, and I think with Pico, you're you're guaranteed a finish in all of his fights. You know, a guy I'd say, you know, for a guy who is, you know, one of the top wrestlers, top the uh, collegiate wrestlers, Olympics, uh, did he compete in the Olympics or he uh, was going to compete in the Olympics? Um, no,
1: no, he came a sea hair away from uh... – the Olympics gotcha gotcha he got 19 years old but he didn't he didn't make it but it was extremely close and enough to, to give him some credit
0: yeah for his, because of his age just for coming close and, you know for a guy who's who you know you would think oh Olympic level wrestler or uh, would who, who would just you know oh, I'm just gonna take guys down and you know you know work that way you know I gotta give credit to a guy he you know he I don't think has he ever gone? You know, the okay, so the first fight that he had, uh, in Bellator, the um, the uh, wh- who was it? The um, the Zach Freeman fight in New York City. He tried to go for a takedown and then got choked out. Um, and we he, got rocked. They exchanged.
1: and He got punched really hard. And if I'm remembering, Freeman
0: pulled. the you g- know, jumped a, a, a guillotine. and yeah. Took him out. And then um, the Adam Bork's fight. I don't know if he was, was he going for a takedown or like he was like fainting a yeah. takedown and th- that's when Boris got his trademark finisher, the jumping knee, on him. I th- uh, the, yeah, he went for a TD without a setup and as soon
1: as he moved his head over, Adam's ready for that kind of thing. He loves that shit.
0: You know, I gotta give, you know, that's, you know, that's why you know, I, I give a lot of props to Pico for, you know, it seems like he doesn't want to utilize his wrestling. He wants to try to be a full-fledged, uh, all round MMA fighter. You know, just not a takedown guy. Even though if he did probably just utilize takedowns, he probably would have a much more winning record for a guy who was touted as the, one of the top prospects of MMA. So, yeah, just give, you know, give credit to Aaron Pico uh, for a guy who seems he wants to try to be a full-fledged MMA fighter unlike you know, a lot of other people who come from other sports like wrestling or jujitsu jitsu who try to rest on their laurels for what they are good at. Right, and in this and in this
1: fight, we saw something different than the Borg's fight, where he was got takedowns, but it was more like uh, Calabro Haraguchi takedowns, where not much happened. In this fight with Kerry, he took him down with ease, but then he was laying damage. He was throwing punches, he was throwing short elbows, he was throwing longer elbows. He was in every position. Like it seems like Jackson ha- has Jackson Wink started to program his young brain that when you're holding someone. That's not, it's not wrestling. You have to reprogram to deliver damage from every position like Kane would do. Like if Kane took you down right in his prime, you were going to catch the damage. You weren't just going to be like holding each other tenderly. And that's what Pico needed to take that wrestling acumen, that world-class wrestling and his youthful athleticism and deliver damage. And he really laid it on Kerry so that when they were standing up, Kerry was already shook. Like he ate some ugly shit. He's a tough guy. Credit to him. He took a lot against Bolanos, Gaston Bolanos, in his previous fight and came back to win. You know, he took hell on earth and still came through. But with Pico, you know, he threw the fake teep. Well, f- stamp kick, but I'm saying teep because I use the term. <laughs> he threw the teep and then, and then levered in the, the left hook, but just hit him with a ridge arm. Just knocked him spark out of his forearm. And it reminded me of the, I can't remember which fight it was, one of his other wins, where he threw a low kick but he used the hip turn to chamber the left hook and to the body. He had the body knockout. So, Pico's left is a legit thing, and it looks like he's rounded his skill set out, and the, the move to Jackson's has paid off. He hadn't been there very long. I think six weeks when he fought
0: Boric's. Now, I mean, when he fought... Who did he fight last? Boric's or Corrales? Shit. It was Borix, because it was... Boric's, it was, uh, Borics was right. Borics. It was, yeah.
1: Where the new wrestling Pico, but he showed in this last fight that yes, he he is a world-class wrestler, but also that now he has the instincts to lay damage so you can't just be under him like Boric's was, staying relatively safe. That is now a very bad place to be under Aaron Pico, as well as on the feet. He was moving his head better, too, better angles. You know, he's just showing a higher fight IQ, and he's very early in his career, you know, five and three. He's had eight fights in a few years' time. and uh, Big things are ahead, though. I mean, because when you see the upsides on him, and you see the downside starting to melt away as he, he gains some some all-round acumen. It's it's really very exciting, and I'm sure Bellator is over the fucking moon because they invested a lot of time and money in the kid. The, so it's not they... about them. It's about him. He's the athlete. But as far as promotionally, structurally, he's very important. He was an important part. They signed him and Ed Ruth two weeks apart. In 2015, I think it was, or f- the end of 14. It was long before they were going to even fight.
0: So who would be... Best next for Pico, um, in your opinion? Well, that's 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 the trick. Is like, okay, do you have Pico fight
1: top top guys, or do you have guys that present stylistic challenges but aren't because he's now they're building him back up. It's you know, it's not like MVP where he can rattle off three quick wins and um, because he had already beaten Daly, although in a in a close fight, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't taking a loss from Lima and starting from zero. But Pico, you know, he had the win over Pitbull. He, uh, Higo, which was very good, but he hasn't hit the heights yet. So I feel like almost like they should give him, like, Gaston Bolaños, who's a fantastic striker, not necessarily the ace wrestler, but will present problems. Maybe someone like that get him not just this one win, but two or three good strong wins because featherweight is jam-packed. There's plenty of time to build him up without throwing him back in with someone like... Tashera, or um, you know, some of the other guys who who might have lost in the tournament will be out of the
0: tournament bracket. Well, but, but I
1: both his level.
0: What do you think? Fight at his level. What do you think about? And he was also on the card and finished uh, his uh, fight on the prelims. Um, a G Aggar. Ag, oh my god! I never, a J Aggar. Ag oh my god! I, you know what I am talk? I can't pronounce his last name. Aga's arm. AJ a- Aga's arm.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that would actually be... Actually, that's, that's a great idea. That would be a hell of a lot of fun.
0: I'm you know, always think, interested uh, in stylistic like. and
1: It's a good name for him to have on his scalp, and it's something closer to his level. Aga's arm's like 3-1 now, and he had to come back. He struggled in that fight on the feet. I mean, he was getting schooled by Altamimi, but, uh, but he did come back, and once it got to the ground... And he was able to keep it on the ground once the fight slowed down a bit. It was just magic. You know, he keeps raising his fist in the air. Nate Diaz style when he knew he had it. You know, he was like, I know I got this. I just got you with one hand here. That's the fight. So, impressive, but I don't know if they want to do that to arm Because that's, that would probably, he'd probably get pieced up on the feet. And not have a chance to, you know, to apply that gra- grappling acumen. Because Pico... High level wrestling, he's gonna be able to counter it and keep it up. You're not just gonna take down Aaron Pico because you want to, yeah. especially if you're struggling to take down Altamimi, who, no offense to him, is not Aaron Pico in the wrestling department. I
0: don't know, I've always been interested in, in like stylistic, I guess, mis- mismatches, you know, just like, you know, oh, you know, BJJ guy taking on a a, a, a boxer guy. It's just like, I always like, you know, I really, I've, it's always like, cause, you know, obviously. Uh, Agazarm, you know, top jujitsu guy. Um, though it's actually joked among the BJJ community that he's out of like all the top like jujitsu uh, ADC guys that have that are like famous now. He's like the worst out of all of them. Apparently, that's like the big joke. Um, and but like can't he's still, he's well, he still he still wasn't it him that lost his shields and uh, some other guys.
1: You know, like he's. He's good, but he's he's not at the top tier of the guys that are at the top tier. Yeah. Bottom of the top.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah he, yeah, he's, nice. yeah, he's, ba- yeah, he's basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, like versus like a Gordon Ryan, Keenan Cornelius, Eddie Cummins, all those guys, he's like at the bottom. That's that's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. But still, like just in terms of like they're both early in their MMA careers, um, where you know clearly, obviously, yeah, like you said, Pico would would have the event the the advantage on the stand up, but on the ground. It's, you're in uh, AJ's world. Um, the question is... I do is, like it, though. I don't know if that's what they would want to go for just yet, but I do like it. I got to admit, that's actually very appealing. Because uh, I think just, it's, a, it's a nice... Al- to see what happens. Yeah, it's also a nice in-between. I think it's a nice bounce. Because you're saying, okay, so, Pico, who would you... If like, you know, obviously, if, if like, you were to put him up against, I don't know, I think it would be way, 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 way too too early to put him up against, like, Archuleta. You know, I think Archuleta would would just... No chance they should fight. No chance they should fight. Exactly. Just too far ahead. Exactly. Uh, Henry Corrales already defeated him, as you mentioned. Borex already defeated him, as you mentioned. They both lost in their in their respective fights. Um, I think the problem is... And, but then you don't want to put him up against uh, one of the or featherweights who are like 1-0 or maybe like 1-2 or something because uh, probably he would turn that da- that fight down. We have all, no, we, you know, it's no secret that Pico ha- wanted, he didn't want to be fed, quote, cans when he came in. He wanted legit competition, or at least competition that would be, he, he, not top 10, but at least reputable, I guess that's a, that's a good way to say, it, reputable competition in his uh, MMA matches when he started off at Bellator. Because also not bad. Yeah. He he went straight to Bellator. He didn't do any amateur fights, as far as I know. He didn't do any uh, pro anywhere else. You know, for CES or one of the uh, regional things. He just went straight into Bellator, and you know he definitely. You know when you when uh, when you have your first when you have MMA fight. You know one of the things that you know when you're training is, You know they they'll do like a mock matchup at the camp and all that stuff. But this still doesn't compare to the actual pro MMA fight as soon as they lock the cage and the referee says go it's an entirely different beast so it's just he's been he's been he's 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 he went from basically he was thrown in the deep or he, he I should say he's won the learn how to swim in the deep end as soon as he uh as soon as he got the dollar tour yeah
1: I mean his his debut he even fought above his weight he went up to lightweight
0: like, oh yeah I forgot about that as well I forgot yeah like... he debuted at lightweight
1: Again, yeah, and Zach was like 8-2 and and coming off a regional. He lost a regional title fight right before that. I mean, for your debut fight, if you looked at it on paper, you'd be like, why are you setting up this Pico kid to get smashed? And he did get smashed. I mean, it was a quick fight. He didn't have time to get, like, smashed in a prolonged way, but he got schooled. But you would expect someone, however good they were, to probably get schooled if they debut against a guy who's at least at a regional title contention level at, at the weight class above you. You know, I mean, he, he aimed famously high. Other guys have aimed even higher. You look at Mark Hunt or um, Bibiano Fernandez, uh, you know, the, the legendary bantamweight one championship. You know, he started off high. Even higher. You know, he fought like Prime Faber and Kid Yamamoto in his, within three fights. I mean, that's fucking crazy, right? Oh, yeah. They're like 14-1, 15-1, and, one, 15 and, one, and he, he's like, that's his, that's his second fight. But uh, short of those guys, yeah, Pico's right up there in the High and uh, now we brought him back down toward his level because Daniel Carey's a legit guy. Bolanos was a legit prospect. Lost to Carey, he just smashed Carey, so uh, he's proven he's in there. I don't know if he's ready for someone like a Claxton, but maybe Chris Chris Sunshine, who lost to Claxton, but who was actually a very promising amateur. Uh, he's two and two in Bellator. He's five and two as a pro. I, he was undefeated, if I'm remembering, he was undefeated as an amateur. Chris Sunshine's a good fighter. That would be a, a great matchup. Both prospects, you know, one of them a little bit hotter in Pico, but both both legit guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be something. There's, there are the guys, is like the the Kiwi J.J. Wilson, but he's five and zero as a pro now. He's three and one amateur, but he's still too young. He's building his momentum. You don't want to just put him in with someone like Pico right now, even though he's very good. Like it's it's one of the things where they're bringing up several prospects in parallel. So you kind of want. You don't really want Pico smashing people before they're ready. Just like ideally, you don't get Pico smashed yet. Yeah. So you build them up. So maybe Bolanos, who which is a legit fighter, or um, you know, they could even they could even go with the vet like Cecilia, Sam Cecilia. You know, for Ooh. for for veteran test, but not necessarily one of their young up and comers where they're risking one of these two names has to get derailed. They got some options. They got a pretty damn deep featherweight class. But um, let's let's move to the next fight because I don't want to ponder too much on this. Else, this is just going to be a whole Aaron Pico Pico show. -hmm. See, he he brought the heat though.
0: Well, uh, let me uh, let me ask. So, uh, in the one of the main card matches, uh, welterweight Raymond Daniels knocked out uh, Jason King in the first round, three minutes seven seconds. Uh, This was his. This is only his third MMA match, I believe. Raymond Daniels and his first, the first yeah. his first one he lost. Second, and then he had how long? How between his first and second match, it was almost like half decade, right?
1: It was a decade. So he lost in two thousand eight oh. in strike force to a, a fighter who I think was eight and four at the time. He just beat King was eight and five, I believe, when he fought him. But he lost to an eight and four fighter in his pro debut. He, uh, six minutes into the fight, I think he got submitted. And then all these years later, he came back and got the, the oh, highlight reel, oh yes, in uh, Birmingham, and didn't he was trying to top that highlight reel, fighting Jason King, whose, whose wife had just beaten up Ava Knight, the, the boxer, with ease. And then but it didn't go, it didn't go the, the King residents only took home the one win that last night. Uh, Daniels did something special. You can legit say he's the oldest super prospect. In the in the
0: sport of MMA, simply because he's such a high level striker, but he's so inexperienced. So that the big the big question: Raymond Daniels versus MVP, can it happen, and why and when should it happen?
1: Yeah, well, they've competed before. I think in freestyle karate, it it could happen. The thing is, okay, MVP wants a title shot. He wants
2: Lima, right? Yeah.
1: Beating Raymond Daniels does not get him to that title shot, so it comes down, and their friends, MVP said there would have to be a lot of money involved, so it comes down to Coker, Rich Chow, just handing them both a satchel of own money and making the fight happen. And Because you're going to have to pay MVP to not be climbing to a title shot. If he wants a title shot, he needs to be fighting Larkin or Koreshkov or, or even Phalan that, like Jason Jackson, even Gracie, Logan Storley, there are a lot of killers in that bracket up near the top. The second fight with Daily, you know, kickboxing rules, please, you know, because that would be a perfect fight. But Daly said he'd wrestle again. We don't want to see that shit. We don't want to see if you can be out wrestled by Paul Daly. Like, let's let's <laughs> let's have Daily fight pitch
0: again. Well, I, do you think there should almost be like a switch in roles where now they're going to start treating MVP as one uh, the. It's no more going to be people... He's he's not going to be fighting people anymore who have no Wikipedias or kind of... um, I don't want to suspect records. Uh, He's now going to be facing regular members of the Bellator roster and now they're going to put... And now maybe instead they should put Raymond Daniels in that MVP, um, I guess, design where they book him against those type of fighters and he becomes... The new MVP. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I see just what you're saying. I, I agree with that, and I think some of the confusion is
1: fans that don't maybe follow the nitty gritty of it, of Bellator and Strike Force before it. The way they book is they're not necessarily when they're watching the UFC. They're not, not unless they're watching tough or the early early prelims. Occasionally, they're not really watching fighters that aren't mature at all get their build up fights. They don't see that in house. They just they just know when the UFC signs someone when they've put together ten fights in the regionals, eight of which were, you know, in effect, squashes and then a couple decent fights, and then they bring him in, you know, get some finish wins in a row and bring him in. That's when they see the prospects. Whereas in Strikeforce and Beltor, they get them, like, you know, sometimes, or like maybe Neiman Gracie with just a couple fights, or Lovato, I think he had four fights uh, when they got him. Or, like, uh, Lee Malay had one pro fight when they got her. Uh, Ed Ruth had none. Joey Davis, I'm not sure if Joey Davis had pro fights. He might have had two pro fights or something. But Tyrell Fortune didn't have any fights when they got him. These, this is how they do it. So it's kind of like this making sausage. You don't want to see it. Well, it's tough. That's how it's done. It's how it's done in boxing, kickboxing. You fight beatable opponents if you're if there's a lot at stake until you're ready. You don't try to get a loss. If you try to get a loss, like Aaron Pico, you get losses. Like Mark Hunt. Like Bibiano, if you try to climb the mountain, eventually you're going to fall off one of those mountains. It's just how it goes. That's the sport. There's too many factors, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Raymond Daniels, you know, he wants to climb to the top, so he's going to need a step up. But maybe something stylistically favorable, even though it's a really tough fight. So what about Raymond Daniels, Curtis Melander? You could do that because, you know, they both like to strike. And the grappling disparity, even though there is one, the move you could see him being able to keep it out of that realm with something like that. Whereas if you have Raymond Daniels fighting Logan Storley, you know, the first takedown will be the last takedown of the fight.
0: It seems like Raymond Daniels, though, seems to fight sporadically. He seems to, like, because his last fight was last year. Um, that, wasn't that, uh, what was that Bir- the, the Birmingham card? Was that April? I feel like that was like middle of the year.
1: Yeah, I forget which. Yeah, it was around the middle of the year.
0: Yeah, he, I don't know. I, I'm assuming... I don't know if that's out of choice or or what's the reason, but that seems... Uh, yeah, he doesn't seem... He seems to take his MMA fights very sporadically.
1: Yeah, that would have to change from if I'm remembering from his post-fight. He wants to be busier, but I don't know why he wasn't. If there was training or just life, you know, other stuff he's got going on in his life, I really don't know. But um, he got this, so now he's got... It might have just been they were giving him time to train and make. because they'll do that with people where, you know, Cochran Chow say, okay, with the prospects of, of, you know, usually they're younger prospects, but they give them, get in the gym, keep working on, on rounding out your skill set. They won't necessarily speed book them like they try to with Pico or like they have with certain prospects. They'll speed book them if they're already complete or appear to be complete. You got it. Like got Pico, you. They were trying to jam it in, and, it, and seriously, if Pico had won those fights that he lost, if instead of like you know, it would have been a meteoric prize. They did try it, but the way to do it with more predictability and the reason they're successful is they do get fights like this. I mean, but if you look on paper, Daniels was one and one. He had a five hundred record in MMA. King didn't have strong opposition, but he still was eight and five in the sport in the mixed rules. So it does count for something. Although, if you look at the details, it's not like other 8-5 records, you know what I mean? Yeah, his 8-5 is not like Pico's 5-3, and three, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, but, but that's okay. It's only, his, it's only his third fight, it's only his second fight in the last 10 years in MMA. So,
0: mm. hopefully, a good stylistic matchup, but not someone who's going to be able to wrestle him. Okay. You know? mm. uh, one of the other fights uh, I think is important to talk about is uh, Darian Caldwell and Adam Borick's. Because uh, this was the, I feel like this is the first first finish that Darren Caldwell's got in a million years. Can't remember the last time he finished a fight. Um, I think, did he finish Lahat? No I don't like, Lahat. That was the other like, fight he, he had right before fighting Gucci. Hold on, let me look here. I think
1: he might have finished that fight, but I
0: can. Keep... But he got he finished it by rear naked choke. Uh, Darren Caldwell. Uh, gave uh, also Boric his About first. L- uh, he gave borx his first loss, and uh, now uh, Caldwell advances in the tournament. Uh, featherweight tournament. Who is he? F- do you, uh, are they still doing that thing where they are going to like do the random drawings, or is is there somebody like how, how uh, do you know that? Whole, anything else going on with that featherweight tournament right now? Teep. That was just for the round of eight. So the this, the round of sixteen was like the qualifier
1: round, and only the title fight was. Five rounds, everything else, two rounds. Then they pick the brackets. Now it's a straight line bracket. So Darian Caldwell has earned his way in to a fight with uh, with AJ McKee. Holy shit! And they don't like each other particularly. They both got, they're both sort of brash characters. And Caldwell, this win was just what he needed because the, his win over Corrales wasn't spectacular. He looked good and he didn't gasp, but. He spent the third round sort of dancing away like, you can't get me. And that's annoying to see when you're already winning. You know, and I can understand people doing it. Archuleta was cautious, too. Corrales has that legit shake-your-face power. But, um, but he needed this kind of win. He needed to make it look easy. And he did. He made Borges look easy. That's not easy to do. Um, so he needed this. And his momentum coming, he's going to need it, though, because A.J. McKee is young, younger than him by years and just so experienced for his age I think McKee's 26 years old 16 and O pro and I think he was five and one or six and one as an amateur already at 26 he's already that deep he's already smacked up good fighters like um, took out Teixeira with brutality I don't know if you saw that finish
0: Teixeira? John macapa oh okay yeah, I call John. I call him Teixeira. macapa he took him out McKee took
1: him out. Yeah, that's, I think that's his nickname, though. Just shares his last name. He goes by the nickname. But uh he just smashed him. Brutal left hand. I think...
0: um I don't know. Do you have a prediction in this fight? How do you think... How do you see, from what you know of Cowboy, how do you see him matching well, up with... Uh, I'll be honest. I had picked uh, Borks to win because I kind of would have liked to have seen two undefeated fighters going up against each other. That's just... I like seeing... I like seeing... uh just seeing that happen, I think it makes it makes for interesting uh, things. But obviously, that did not happen. Um, it's an, I mean, it's very funny this fight because, okay, so they are both. I would probably definitely say that that Caldwell is definitely the better wrestler, but AJ McKee, for a guy who's, I who's like, he seems to. I would have to assume he's better on the stand-up and also on the ground because I'm just reminded of that, of that recent, what was it, triangle armbar thing he got on Campos in the previous uh, match that he had the advance? Uh, it was really, that was like, that's something that you see at, like, at, at in high-level ADCC uh, Jiu-Jitsu Pan tournaments. You never really see that in MMA fights, I can't even recall, like, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, well, the way he locked it in, the way, yeah, the way, the the maneuver itself wasn't, you know, wasn't anything new, but the way he locked it in, that's something, that's something I would not expect from, a, from an AJ McKee, you tell me that, like, oh, Damian Maya did that, or Goethe Yamauchi did that, oh, okay, fine, you know, okay, yeah, of course, AJ McKee, really? Out of all the fighters, fires... yeah, start digging into his career, well, I mean, he has so many
1: knockout highlights and spinning flying shit knockouts. But he also he's has some chokes and he uh, hit that beautiful Anaconda on Daniel Crawford, who uh, who I think had lost his Bell Tour debut to Carvelo's fighting uh, little Pitbull in March for the title. But then Crawford fought McKee and McKee hit an Anaconda choke on him, it was just lovely.
0: I'll be honest. Uh, so I'm also coming up with a personal bias. Um, I'm still very, I am not happy, I don't like Caldwell's attitude, I think that Caldwell, uh, particularly the whole thing after he lost the, uh, the second match against Horiguchi, uh, him knocking down the cameraman, really, really, like, what the bad taste in my mouth, I know they always say, separate the art from the artist, but even sometimes his art, aka his MMA fighting, you know, seems like at featherweight he's, he's acting, you know, maybe he has a little bit more energy, you know, cause he doesn't have to deal with a, with a, with a huge weight cut, so you know he's a he's more he's less prone to getting tired, uh, and also is is can he doesn't have to you know because it seems like with his his bantamweight fights at least, um, especially with the Horaguchi fight, he just depended on takedowns and he didn't get tired from the takedowns. He Seems like to be a different fighter at least at this with this tournament, um, but you know, AJ McKee, I can what. Ne- like, even has I can't even recall. I haven't seen all of Mickey's fights, but I can't even recall any of the fights that have gone decision or any any of his fights at Bellator where like he lost. I think he's. I feel like he's may have won every round that he's ever been in a in a in a match in Bellator. Uh, Teep, do you wanna give any comment on that or or you probably know better than me. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I'm
1: trying to think if there's anything I could say lost. Um... I'm not sure. Not off the top of my head. Not with a hangover
0: last mm-hmm. night. Uh, yeah, I would say. I would say. Um, I mean, McKee is like the supreme. They well, both a lot of prospects. Well, let's see. You His, could argue he's the hottest one. 16-0, all in Bellator. Yeah, all Bellator. Um, the ones that have gone to the decision: Ray Wood, Brandon Phillips, uh, Blair Tugman, uh, Justin Lawrence, and Pat Curran. Pat Curran, the most recent one. Can you recall if Pat Curran had anything on uh, McKee?
1: Uh, Kern started off pretty solid and, <coughs> excuse me, he, um, <coughs> took him down, <laughs> which is something. <coughs> Sorry, bro. Yeah, Kern had a, had some success, but not a lot. <laughs> but he did have more than the others, but that's to be expected. I mean, Kern's an ex champ, serious guy, well rounded, skill set. But, uh, no, I think pretty much A.J. McKee, you know, he was criticized. I think it was the Lawrence fight where he didn't win by enough. People are like, oh, where's the killer? But it's like, you know, not every style, not every game plan matches up to kill somebody. But on the whole, yeah, I mean, McKees just look superb. Different degrees of
0: superb. And uh, I definitely favor him versus Cowboy. I, I think it would be better yeah, also. stylistically
1: how they match.
0: Yeah, you I do d- have to see it. I also do think, I think, <laughs> Bel- <laughs> It would be better for Bellator if he does advance. Because I think, I, I think the... AJ McKee is one of those guys that Bellator has to <laughs> hold on to. Because if they don't hold on to him, UFC will swoop right in and, and definitely sign him. There's no question about it. AJ McKee will be signed by the UFC if Bellator does not make McKee any good offer... When his contract runs up, hey, I wait. You know what? Even Ryzen could definitely take him because it seems like Ryzen's gonna be starting to take their featherweight uh, division more seriously. Nonetheless, yeah. he will be sought after as soon as he becomes a free agent. If he is not immediately signed, resigned with Bellator after his contract, and he will there, the doors are going to open wide for him. So, yeah, which which is saying something.
1: Considering none of his pro footage will be available to the UFC, you have to be really damn good if they can't even hope to get any footage of a fighter that established, you know, just like with Bellator signing Rory, what did they have of his to promote him with? Nothing. yeah. Yeah. They had nothing, even though Rory has this fantastic body of work and highlights and top-level fighters he's beat. They can't – they didn't have anything to promote him with. So, But I do think in spite of that, the UFC would make a hefty offer because McKee, he's 26 years old. He's got the world by the balls. He's – you know, and I think if he gets past Cowboy – uh, who is nine and zero at featherweight? Cowboy has not lost at one hundred forty-five pounds. His his three losses came at one thirty-five, where he seems to gas more. So, like an energized, not cutting a drastic amount of weight, Cowboy. That's a tough ass fight. But I do think, I do think he has that. McKee is slightly I should be favored in this fight.
0: And I think uh, business wise, I think business wise, I think it'll be better if you have McKee uh, w- when um, I'm not because. Listen... Oh, yeah. I, they hoped... Coker mentioned that they thought the...
1: He thought the Borics fight would go the other way. I mean, they were definitely hoping... We can read that to mean They were hoping Borics would win and fight McKee. I mean, like you said, it would have been a 15-0 and pro versus a 16-0 and pro for the right to fight for a million-dollar title
0: opportunity. I mean... And also, just think about it. Okay, fantastic. so AJ McKee beats Caldwell, finishes him, or defeats him soundly. And then you have uh, uh, Patricio beat uh, Carvalho... And beats whoever wins between Sanchez and w- Wysho. Uh and then it's McKee versus uh, Patricio, and then A, McKee beats Patricio. Just imagine that 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 this guy, this you know this this guy who's made his entire career in your organization, never fought anywhere else, undefeated, uh, beats all the top guys, including the champion, through uh, in, the, in this and this tournament. You know, I think there's a lot you can do with that you can you can build around that guy you could you could say your featherweight champion is undefeated and that's so it's so rare to ha- have have a fighter like that on a roster uh who's, oh, yeah. who you can who you can say for a fact you know this guy you know this guy has has fought top competition you know you know uh, and has ha- managed to survive a, a a tournament um and beat the champion uh, in that tournament yeah, I mean, a
1: 16 a man tournament so not just like oh bracket four like I mean Phil Davis won a tournament right a one night tournament yeah like anyway it was four guys and one of them had to pull out came out to pull out of the finals so he, he beat two guys in the same night it's epic but it's different than going through a 16 man tournament eight and the, with the quarterfinals on being a straight line bracket it's like he there's no Dennis Siver in his equation you know what I mean yeah. he fought he had to be Campos, who, uh, who got the upset win, I don't think Campos is expected to make it to the quarterfinals, but he did with his wrestling. Uh, you know, because I mean, he's more of a lightweight lately, but uh, Featherweight was looking very good and did pre- present some problems to McKee
0: with the wrestling, which was impressive. But also, uh, well, I think it does. I, I think it gives legitimacy to, to Bellator. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, there's, there's a the perception that Everybody who's who's a top fighter is in the UFC. That 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 all the other or other organizations they either don't have people who are not quote UFC caliber or they get the guys who cannot fit who cannot cut it in the UFC. If McKee wins it then you basically, then there's, you at least for the featherweight division, you cannot, you can't, what what argument would you be able to say, oh, this guy is not a top competitor who is not in the UFC? I think it it will help definitely give a lot of legitimacy to Bellator, at least in that division. Do you understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this tournament is going to do for the eventual champ what the welterweight tournament did for Lima, where people... Can make maybe a lot of people don't want to believe it because they have their own biases or their own favorite places to to pay attention to. But you can make a, an argument: Lima's the top guy in, at his weight right now, partly because he went through a tournament. And when you go through a tournament, you know, just like back in the Pride days and Rings and all this, when you go through a tournament. You're not no one's giving you the layups unless it's bracketed in. But generally, when you get to the end of the tournament, that's high level shit. Mm-hmm. That's the proving ground, rather than. You know, like, not to break well, bring up Conor, you know, the Dennis Siver shot, rather than having to fight face, like, Cub and Frankie, who were further up the bracket at the time, to get to Aldo. He proved himself versus Aldo 100%. But he didn't have to take out one of the top handful of guys to get there, to get the opportunity, you know what I mean? So even though he, he came through when he did get the opportunity, he had an easier path than most, almost anyone. To get there so credit to him but but that's not happening here this is a badass tournament full of badasses where even in the round of 16 uh, there was only a couple guys I didn't I was pretty sure wouldn't get through and Campos is one of them and did you know with the upset win but uh <clears throat> yeah it's, it's some pretty badass stuff but uh, we got to look out for Sanchez too he can get past Weichel who's a, who's a killer. Was the the number two, to Patricio's number one for quite a while there, before he went up in weight. Now he's back, but Sanchez that pressure game is
0: deadly, and he he gave Pitbull a hell of a fight. Did you uh, ever get to see that one? Uh, which fight was this? Sorry.
1: Emmanuel Sanchez when he fought Patricio Pitbull, his pressure game was bothering Patricio.
0: Hmm. No, I did not see. I didn't. No, I didn't he's get. like a Tony
1: Ferguson type. He stalks. hmm He's really good. He stalks and he's kind of crazy and he's got high pace and he likes that. He thrives in the chaos, but he, he forces the chaos in a good way and makes it work for him. And uh, yeah, Sanchez is a beast, man. He put it on uh, Claxton something ugly. Like Pre- and Claxton is a pressure guy, but uh, Sanchez is like, no, I got the real pressure. And if you take me down, I can pressure you that way too. Like, I, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty special fighter. So him, McKee, and Patricio are my favorites to win the whole thing. Sanchez, McKee.
0: Uh, and the other the uh, the other fight I want to talk about the main event, uh, Chris Cyborg defeating Julia Bud to gain the uh, I was about to say Rising Bellator women's featherweight championship. Uh, defeated uh, Bud in the fourth round, one minute and fourteen seconds by TKO, which makes Cyborg I believe a quadruple uh, champion, uh, or, or, or a promotional champion. She has been the invicta. Uh, featherweight champion, Strikeforce featherweight champion, UFC featherweight champion. Now she is the uh, Bellator featherweight champion. So, um, just curious to know. I didn't. I just saw the finish of this fight. How did the How did the entire fight look though? Uh, t uh, did cyborg... Oh, that was cyborg
1: great fight. Round one was one of my favorite rounds of the year so
0: far. Was cyborg I mean, dominant? Or, was cyborg was dominant that- all the entire fight? Was it even? No, no. Round one was very competitive, right? Yeah. Round
1: two was very competitive. Maybe slight edge to Cyborg, but but you know, but the first round was like, holy fuck, it's actually happening! I can't believe this. I don't even know what's gonna happen. Round two was almost as as tense. Round three, Cyborg started take over, especially toward the end of the round, she was taking over. Like Julia had a thing where she wasn't pumping the jab; she was telegraphing. She's sort of doing a hop with her leg. And that sort of thing works for Thai boxing where someone respects your power on your side and they have to react when you move because they're not sure what you're going to do. But Cyborg doesn't give a shit about that. She was just throwing. And so Julia's, like her teat kicks and the things that she would normally do to unsettle an opponent didn't have any effect on Cyborg. And so later on in the fight, once it got halfway through the third round, it went Cyborg's way in the fourth round. Uh, Chris just turned it up. It was a beautiful performance and she showed showed her steel. But it was a lot of back and forth in the first couple of rounds. Those are two great rounds, i got to say. Definitely try and watch that fight. And Julia is the second most dominant featherweight of her generation uh, to Cyborg's number one, as far as historically. You know, obviously Amanda Nunes beat Cyborg recently, but if you just talk about body of work over a period of time in a generation, there's Cyborg and Julia Budd. And that was Julia's fourth title defense. So not only did Cyborg... get the grand slam major world titles you know achievement she did it against the second most dominant women's featherweight of her of her of her time in the sport you know so pretty incredible stuff man very impressive julia will be back she's a beast but the speed and the um
0: cyborg's response to kicks were punches and very very good punches and so julia's style didn't match up and uh she wasn't able to out wrestle her, and she's not front, She's not a wrestler. She's a good MMA wrestler, but Julia's a Muay Thai fighter. So the the fact that the kicks weren't doing it, and she was sort of like telegraphing with her hands. It wasn't it wasn't going to go well for her. But early in the fight, there was a lot of back and forth. So I have two questions now. So yeah. obviously, who will be next for Cyborg? Do you do a rematch with Bud? Just based on how nope. you know being the inaugural champion and just how, you know how. Nope. How, nope. Oh, you do that when you're the UFC on pay per view and you just
1: want you know, you're like, this person lost, but they're still the number one contender coming off a loss because we're not a sport. It's gonna be almost guaranteed it's gonna be Arlene Angerfist is gonna be is gonna be doing because she's seven and two in her last nine. Julia's the only young lady in her last nine fights who's been able to beat her, beat her twice. Mm-hmm. And she just beat Leslie Smith, who was the other featherweight on a streak so
0: smith and Angrifist
1: fought it wasn't mentioned as such but that was basically a number one contender fight if you look at it at all like a sport and because bell tends to look at it like a sport it's going to be cyborg and arlene and then julia can fight one or the other they got a lot of badass women maybe even fight cat
0: well actually, i'm about to fight. say yeah so here's yeah, man that would be fun well here's that a thing. they fight. did they did uh Also, sign, and I don't know if she's ever fought at featherweights. Liz think Liz Liz talked about going down. So she's a bantamweight. She talked about trying to make flyweight and wants to win her way through
1: to fight her friend Alima. They're okay to fight, but they prefer, you know, like in the finals. Like, she wants to earn her way in the company, but she was talking about going
0: down. So so she definitely wants to stay stay a fight, because I know she was at bantamweight. I don't know if she ever fought at featherweight. Um, She's... A
1: powerful fighter but i don't know that she she doesn't have the dimensions I, I don't think to be in a full-fledged featherweight division as it is now in bellator those are some big girls they got there they didn't just they're not just a bunch of bantamweights that just moved up you know some of them were bantamweights before but like they're like established at featherweight they put on the the meat and they, they they're used to carrying that weight and so yeah i mean liz seems to want to go down to 125 which is great because that division is fucking banging
0: now I also have a question. Um, do you, so? Kayla Harrison from PFL has said she wants to fight Chris Cyborg. Do you think uh, Bellator would ever be interested in doing some cross promotion with PFL and maybe try to book that fight? You know, I think
1: that they might consider it if it was, like it might be that they they have her fight Arlene, but then if. If Kayla's still uh, is she undefeated?
0: Yep, she's undefeated.
1: Yeah, so if she's still undefeated after that fight, and you're looking for a thing, and you still want to build, Julia might need a couple wins to get back to it. I mean, because if other pe- people are winning and losing the whole time, so it's not a deep bracket. So even though she was dominant for a long time, it's a very fluid bracket. And it is best that she at least win once, preferably twice, to get another title shot. Same with MVP. You mm. know? He didn't fight Lima for the title, but he fought the eventual champ, and he did wobble him. No one wobbles Lima, but he did. But still, you got to win. You need some high-level shit because of other guys who are more deserving. And so same thing with the ladies. There there are people, so like right now, Arlene, she's the one. She's the chick.
0: Now, at, first... at the doorstep of, a t- of another title shot because she's beaten everyone else except for the, ch- the, the, the ex-champ. Now, uh, another uh, female fighter who fights at Featherweight, who I'm a fan of, a lot of people don't like her, but she's a nice lady, and I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of her style, uh, Cindy Dandois. Cindy Dandois has wanted to fight Cyborg for a long time, and has said she would take Cyborg on any day's notice. Now, I know that Cindy yes. Dandois has had, she Cindy in. Uh, she, she, she had one fight in Bellator, and it was a loss to Olga Rubin. But she is currently now in a three-fight winning streak. I know it's, it's maybe not the best uh, competition, I guess you could say. Uh, but she does have wins over uh, King Reina and Ryzen and Megan Anderson, Jesmaine Duke, and uh, Sheila Gaff. So, I mean, she, she has defeated high-level competition before. Um, at at, numer- at both weight uh, Featherweight, and Lightweight. Um, I mean, obviously, here's the thing. You don't want to bring in somebody uh, who lost their first fight in your organization and give them an immediate title shot, but with that... Do you think also Bellator maybe trying to do a women's featherweight tournament would be something that they should do? Or is it is it is a talent pool not that expansive or to, to do something like that? Especially if
1: they brought in... Um... Cindy, they could put together a strong eight-person eight tournament and it would be fun, but I think women's flyweight, they've got enough women's flyweights, even though some of them are inexperienced in MMA, with the correct bracketing, they could do a 16-person tournament, do an elimination round and then start the tournament early summer or something, late spring, early summer, but start the tor- tournament to do an elimination and then have the final eight ready for the spray or something like that. I don't know. I guess they maybe they won't kick it off till September, so maybe they do two fights to build people up. But I think women's flyweight is going to be the one, but it's it's all fluid right now. They're still discussing it.
0: Well, let's be honest. Be, I think be a men's
1: bracket. They the might thing, do
0: lightweight. They've got some good lightweight. The thing out. is that also, let's be honest, you know, uh, right now Chris Cyborg, I think, uh, is the face of the women's division of uh, Bellator. And I think, you know, you know, You'll you'll get you'll get your Hawaiian audience to come in for uh, McFarland, but I think Chris Cyborg is obviously is the bigger name to the general MMA audience in that case. Um, the other it thing, cool. it was it was cool they had a Lima on the desk
1: with Chael and Jake Glazer last night. That was cool. Lima, they're giving her you know FaceTime on the broadcast, not just when she fights, and that's important. Cause she does a lot of good work, and so as does Cyborg. I mean, they're both role model type fighters um, in their community work. And so, yeah, but Cyborg's definitely the bigger na- I mean, she is absolutely the
0: bigger name. Now, here's the thing yeah. as well, that uh, Chris Cyborg has said she wants to have... Uh, did she say she wanted to do a tournament in Ryzen? Or she wanted to do something with Ryzen? Do you know exactly the details of what was said?
1: So she said a couple things from what I, what I got. You know, it's slightly broken English. From what I recall, she... Um, she okay. talked about a, t- a tournament would be great. But she also said, like, fighting more than one time in a night, shoebox style. She was, like, getting into the... So I think... And she said if an opportunity came up to fight in Ryzen, she
0: would love that. Yes, yeah, and before no, anybody she says... says she uh, I got to correct everybody. I got to say this. She will not fight Gabby Garcia. They're training partners. They're friends. So don't even mention that. That's, that's, they're close friends. They're besties. They not, they're not going to fight. Yeah. But, but Julia could. I'm still down for, like, if,
1: if instead of... Trying to fight back to a title if Julia goes and does like uh, um, I don't know if it still counts as super fight, but it's it's definitely super duper as far as my interest goes. If she wants to go compete with Gabby, that would be nice because uh, you have Cyborg there in the corner, and they just had the fight, and it's the whole gem rivalry. I mean, it, it could be a really good thing. So I still hope to see Julia Bud fight Gabby, but that's because I've known for a long time. You know, Cyborg is not going to fight her. Yeah. So win or lose, I've said before the fight, win or lose, I would still love to see Julia Budd fight Gabby. But if she wants to get a title fight, a win over Gabby would, might do, as because of the weight disparity, might actually do as much as a win over any of the other girls in the in the division, because it's not a deep division. So if you say, hey, I went and beat the best openweight female martial artist in the world, you know, yes, that's not featherweight, but that is a weight class above. I mean, people criticize Gabby for being too big, but, you know, in an open weight environment, you can't say that shit.
0: Yeah, well, here's the other thing as well. Um, if you remember Al- Alpha female, Jazzy Gabbert, um, who had the uh who had two uh matches in uh Ryzen, um, uh, including that uh confrontation with uh Gabby at that one show. I believe it was the um uh, I'm trying to remember which it was the I think it yeah, it was the open weight tournament uh finals that the confrontation had. It was when Gabby Garcia fought uh grandma. Um uh, Pro Cop, Alec Bar- the two thousand sixteen yes. yeah. was it yeah so she uh, actually so just so everybody know Jazzy Gabbert was a was a WWE wrestler but she apparently is now has left WWE so you know maybe we could have Jazzy Gabbard versus Gabby Garcia as the Gods demand um, I'd still be I'd still be down for that I want to see Gabby fight more um, I know she's doing a movie with like I think Helly Berry yep. or someone
1: but she's she's doing movie stuff but I would love to see Gabby fight more. I think it's fun. I think you should give a lot of respect to these, you know, just like the apex predators in the men's divisions. It doesn't always matter how, how thin the division is. You still want to see the apex predators. but also, if everyone else small to compete.
0: But also, let's be honest, Gabby gets eyes, you know. Say, you know, she gets eyes because, listen, it's kind of like, it's it's like, I don't want to say a car, a car crash, but it's like, hmm it's so out of the norm for for what people perceive as as MMA now, um, that it's just seeing a woman of her size and just the way she the way she dominates her opponents. It's it's so it's almost unreal. It's like seeing something out of a movie. It gets it gets people. It's it, it 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 it's so different from everything else that Rise presents in just general MMA that people are drawn to it. People who are not MMA fans uh, and MMA fans. Uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, the, the casual yeah, fan yeah, is yeah. not going to watch Kate versus uh, Kai Azakura, uh, but they're going to—they will watch. You show them Gabby Garcia versus a fifty-year-old a woman; they will watch. <laughs> that's just how it is. I don't know, so, I don't know. A lot of people don't like to admit that, but that's just how it is. The, the, I, feel,
1: I would feel bad for Gabby because she doesn't want to fight. She wants oh, to fight other big-ass women martial artists, you know. But Ryzen wants. Wanted what they wanted, and they, they wanted that storyline. And,
0: and also, who wants oh, I, to fight I, Gabby? It's so no bad
1: for Gabby, because what, what is she supposed to do? Not fight? Yeah. Like, she's trying to fight. So when they're like, hey, here's your fight, she's
0: like, fuck. And also, people turn We're down go fights fight of her. Movies, people do ter- ter- turn down fights of her. That's, that, it's, I mean, look at her.
1: I, I hear people saying stuff like, oh, Joanna, violence, beat up Gabby Garcia. I'm like, dude, she weighs the same as one of Gabby's legs. Or like she's like you know less than half of her weight without a weight cut. Like get out of here! Don't be you know. It's just that people conflate skill with destructive ability.
0: Well, like, and here's the thing: if they if if they did do a Joanna her. champion versus Gabby fight, listen, listen, everybody would turn into that because it would be that
1: time. Her unconscious, she wouldn't even sub her. She would power drive her through the canvas, and that would be the end of the fight.
0: Yeah, she,
1: her barbells probably weigh a lot more than Joanna. Like it's not even. But, but, so, like, for me as a martial artist and a fan of mar- competitive martial arts, you know, even though Gabby's in a thin division, if you took every weight bracket and just mushed it all into one, she's probably the champ of everyone, unless maybe her friend Cyborg, because Cyborg does hit hard for her size, but even then, you know, she's got, like, 70 pounds on Cyborg, so if they go all out, not only training, if they go all out, dude, you know, like, she's an expert grappler, even though... People say she uses her size. Well, so what? She's an expert grappler. Just like an expert heavyweight boxer uses his size. You know, he'd be like, oh, Deontay Wilder isn't shit because he's really tall, and that's why he hits, you know, and he weighs a lot. That's why he hits really hard. Well, no shit. That's why he's fighting at heavyweight. That's why he's knocking out bigger men than himself. Mm -hmm. Heavier men than himself. You know what I mean? So with Gabby, people try to diss her. They shouldn't diss her. They should praise her. She's like the apex predator in female competitive martial arts right now exactly and she would take on anyone people turn down fights with her she wouldn't who would she turn down other than her close friend chris anyway Somebody.
0: you know what, what, you know every the, the, i always hear the, the the talking point of casual fans casual fans casual fans if you want casual fans to tune into to a promotion that's in Japan that's going on at 12 midnight on a sunday saturday night going into a sunday then you put Gabby on a card that's just how it is you put Gabby on any card uh people will tu- will will tune in it's that's just how you know it's it's that it factor. That's that star factor. It's just she's she's a
1: six foot two, two forty grappling expert, whose close friends is one of the most famous female fighters in the world. I mean,
0: yeah. It's, Listen, it, I'm gonna tell you this right now. That 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 UFC card of Leon Edwards versus Tyron Woodley. No one's gonna watch that. No one wants to see Leon Edwards and Ty Tyron Woodley. Absolutely not. What is that? I have no idea when, but that's apparently the next. That that's the fight they're gonna make for like the next. Uh, uh, one seventy contender supposedly. No, I can tell you this. I cannot tell you of one fight I've watched with Leon Edwards that I enjoyed. Uh, or Tyron Woody in the last few years. And no, I can tell you that no, that no casual fan, uh, even hardcore fans don't even tune in for Leon Edwards. And I, I would be more interested in seeing a Fabian Edwards versus uh Tyron Woodley at this point. That, that, that I'm just trying to make no, the point that. Fabian-
1: I, I get your analogy. Fabian's a weight class up though, and he's he's a little different. Although his fight with Shipman
0: was not in the Fabian you can, Edwards. You can so you can d- channeling his brother. You can diss you know Gabby all you want about her about her skills and and what and, you know what she brings to MMA. But you can't you know I also approach MMA from all these sports from a business perspective. And if you put Gabby on a card, you get people talking, you get people tuning in, you get people. Uh, get, watching the show, looking, retweeting, uh, looking at streamables, upvoting, all that stuff. You get people tuning in. You get people uh, You get eyes on your, uh, on your, on your show because of her. That's 100%. a fact. It's the same. And it's the same reason. You know,
1: although although it's a deeper bracket, obviously, but the same reason Bellator shelled out all this money for Cyborg. Even if she didn't lose to, even if she lost to Julia, that just just magnifies. Oh, that
0: would get people talking about her. Uh, now, absolutely. People would have been talking about Bud as, you know, maybe number two featherweight in the world uh, next to Nunez. Um, so, yeah. It's,
1: maybe the number one thing is she had the same win and she's actually fighting regularly at weight. You know what I mean? Like, like Nunez had the fight at 145, but has she fought any other, like, actual featherweights at 145 other than her fight with Cyborg, or did she go back down?
0: Uh, I think she fought GDR. Remember? I think she knocked out GDR. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, she, I mean, has she fought anyone who's, like, hot who's on a a streak or not just like we'll recycle in
1: somebody like you know what i mean like because like right now cyborg got the best win available in the sport outside of someone beating cyborg or nunez and you know i I got argument there even though they lost heads up i mean you probably say nunez would be number one if she was at featherweight but is she i mean what's her body of work at featherweight i guess and is that something that's going to continue I mean, because doesn't doesn't GDR fight at
0: 135? I think she also fights at 135, but I think the whole thing was, remember, GDR was their first uh, Fedeway champion, and she didn't want to fight Cyborg, and then they stripped her of the title. Remember that whole fiasco that happened? I
1: remember that. I wonder if that was about
0: money. That was probably about money. Well, GDR said she didn't want to fight Cyborg because Cyborg had used PEDs in the past, and she didn't want to fight somebody who had uh, had, uh, used PEDs. Um, actually, oh, so I um I, so I, I, I would be a hypocrite and bash if that was the actual issue. That's fair because I wouldn't want to be a hypocrite because uh, other fighters who've been caught on PDS in the past. I so, don't necessarily give them a pass
1: later if someone's nervous about fighting them. So
0: so hey, whatever, you know? I I have to say I have to correct myself. So Amanda Nunes she's actually fought GDR twice and they were both at bantamweight, uh, including the title fights. It was not at featherweight that they fought at. Um, mm-hmm. So, I stand corrected on that. In terms of uh, who Amanda Nunes has fought at uh, featherweight besides Cyborg, let's see who we got. Uh, nope, Cyborg's the only one and um I know the uh, you have I don't know I've heard so many confl- different stories about oh, Cyborg didn't want to fight Nunes or Nunes didn't want I I've heard so many conflicting things. I don't even I'm not the I don't I think it's a case of of too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, and, you know... Inter- oh, you, what do you
1: mean? You know what happened? You want know I me mean to tell you what happened? Because, I mean, I was following on Twitter while it was happening. So Cyborg wanted an immediate rematch. Yes. He lost. She wanted to, because they do that sometimes, because, like I was saying, you know, because they're like, hey, we milked some more money out of this pay-per-view, the revenge. Boxing does it, too, you know. Um, and they said no. So she had one fight left on her contract, no more champions clause, because she lost the belt. And she, who they have her fight? Spencer, was it? She won. And then she was a free agent. So then the UFC said, well, we'll give you a one-fight title deal. That's what was said publicly. I don't know if they ever sent a contract or anything. And uh, But now you got Scott Coker bidding. And, you know, like Viacom's looking at Cyborg like, hmm, yeah, we want to get Cyborg, you know. And Cyborg's looking at Coker like, I worked with him before. And he's not a dick. And he's not calling me a man and all kinds of weird bullshit Dana White nasty stuff. You know, not everyone's into that. And Coker's brought uh, an alternative in the industry and he's got money behind him. So I can tell you as a fan, when Coker came in June 2014, when they announced he was taking over, I said back then it was going to change the whole game over the years because he's not a dick. He doesn't burn bridges. So a lot of fighters still felt favorably toward him, even though Lorenzo bought out and closed his company. And where are we now? Musasi's back over there. Um, not everyone had the opportunity to get over there contractually, but.
0: John so, so, you know, well, Thompson
1: went back. Cyborg's yeah. back. You know, a lot of people. Julia Bud used to be with, um, with Strike so, Force. You know, a lot of people.
0: T- they so, remember. Teep, sorry to, to interrupt. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to be man. running out of time. But I, I also curious to know, and this is totally out of. Th- this is like seeing, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm trying to think of it. I don't know if this would be crossing the streams or you know seeing a unicorn uh, fly over a rainbow. What about if think about about this coup? If Scott Coker and Bellator somehow got Ronda Rousey to sign one fight deal versus Chris Cyborg, will that ever happen, or is that or is that minus a no. million percent?
1: No, no, because I mean, okay, so historically, going going back to what happened, Cyborg's a featherweight. Rousey was a featherweight. Rousey moved to Bantamweight when they would when she was young in her career. She was smashing. She was very young in her career. A few several fights in, and she said, I'm going to Bantamweight to win the belt so that when I fight Cyborg, because people were already talking about it, like it would be a huge deal. When I fight her, I want it to be an even bigger deal. But then she never came back up. Because she didn't she's not necessarily big enough to be a big featherweight. She's a big bantamweight, you know. So so then they tried to pull in cyborg to fight her but have Cyborg come down to fight Rousey at the weight because it would weaken her. She didn't want to fight Cyborg at, at Featherweight then. She definitely doesn't now. She's making good money doing the, the play fighting thing, you know, the wrestling thing. She's not it's, – it's never going to happen. It never was going to happen at Featherweight, but now there's no, you know – because remember, they were all like, you come to the champ. You're Cyborg. you got to come to the champ, Rousey. And then Rousey lost her belt, and they're like, um – you know, they, it didn't go in the reverse. All right, you lost that. Now
0: you got to come to the come to the champ. So that's that would have done. Been... The Rousey. Things done. She had a she had a
1: great career. She did a lot of big things for the sport and for, for women martial artists. And the,
0: the I think I contend that would have been the biggest women's MMA fight of all time had it happened. I truly do if, believe if, that. If Rousey had been willing to just fight an undangerously a,
1: a non-dangerously depleted Chris, it would have happened. Do it at 145. It's a super fight. You make a belt for it. It doesn't need a belt for it. But that, that wasn't the plan. The plan was Rousey was the marketable one. Rousey was the telegenic one. Rousey. So they wanted Cyborg to come down so she would be so sucked out that if they could just get her to get into the cage and get beaten, then they push Rousey as the GOAT.
0: Oh. Um, and Tipa, uh, quickly just want to go into a little bit of Bellator news that just came out yesterday at, during the show. Ryan Bader... Versus uh, Vadim Nemkov for the uh, for the light heavyweight title.
1: Holy shit! At last, this is this has been long overdue. The heavyweight tournament postponed it,
2: but now they're going to get it on, and uh, it's it's righteous. Now but you could make an argument that Jerry yes because he was a reigning title holder,
1: world champion, that you could have skipped Nemkov, but it wouldn't have seemed right because Nemkov has the best win among the two of them in their careers when he beat Phil Davis. That was the highest level fighter either of them have ever beat because when Jerry beat Nemkov, Nemkov was just several fights into his career. He wasn't Nemkov now. He wasn't the Nemkov that just smashed McGeary, made Carvalho look like a little kid. Phil Davis, Phil Davis, you know, so meaning a, a close, a close, not as eventful fight, but still winning Phil davis Very good at it. You know, no one fucking beats Davis unless you're Bader or
0: Nemkov. Just curious to know as well, Jiri uh, Protosca signed with UFC. Sounded like Bellator and uh, UFC were top of his list uh, to go to. But then it sounded like from the way Scott Coker spoke at a uh, fight press conference that it seemed like he was insulted that Jiri did not take whatever offer they offered him. And it seems like uh, my speculation, entirely speculation, is that Jiri wanted to have an immediate fight with Ryan Bader. Uh, at light heavyweight for the for the Bellator title. Seems like I'm gonna guess that probably Bellator had already signed the Nemkov Bader fight by then, or what that's the direction they want to go, and since that's not the fight that he was gonna get, uh, he instead went with UFC where he'll presumably fight the competition that he wants to face off. Um is that at all what that is that to sound at all unrealistic? I feel like the, I feel that sounds realistic. I mean, there was pressure on from fans
1: to give Nemkov a shot because he beat Davis, because he's obviously the guy in line, but Vader was in the tournament, the heavyweight tournament, and then did a heavyweight defense against Czech Congo. And uh, so, like, there was, you know, they kind of try to run it like a sport. So if you sit down and look at all their decisions, it's very rare you can be like, well, that was bullshit. Whereas with the UFC, that's, that's like mostly what happens, is that people are arguing about how to what degree different things are bullshit. You know, like with Romero, he's got one win in four fights and hasn't been that active. That's like three years' worth of fighting, one and three, and like, they give him a title shot. But people are like, well, it'd be more bullshit if someone else got it. it. They don't really do that. So you can usually just, you know, things often make sense. So Nemkov kind of needed to get that title shot, unless they were doing a champ-champ fight. Ooh. But with Jerry off his rise, maybe if Jerry still had rise and fights left, it would have gotten done. They could. I don't think they could agree on the rematch. I think... It might have been that he wanted the title fight with the rematch clause or maybe do the first fight, Ryzen, the second one in Bellator, and it just didn't work out. But uh, I'm happy for Jerry because I'm sure he got a pay bump to go to the UFC, and it's a pretty thin division for them at the top, so he might go far fast. He's marketable. They can put a lot of muscle behind him. He's got a long win streak. I mean, he's had an impressive career as a young man. So I thought it was a great signing. One of them was going to get it because Ryzen just doesn't have the fights for him. And yeah, Coker seems like a little like oh, if you want to go there, go there. But you know, they they
0: because he also said, Coker uh, said that valuable. he, Coker said he said he talked to Jiri as a favor to uh, Sakakibara, Rise's CEO." That was a very odd statement to to make. Yeah, uh, I have, I have um,
1: like it's hard to read in between the lines, but for like all the different things he said, it seemed like
0: because also here's the thing: Coker doesn't the really the air, the air dirty laundry.
1: Bader Jerry title fight was maybe partially to,
0: yeah, so that
1: Ryzen would, you know, could still make a play for him. Like, oh, you can still do this, but when the details didn't work, it might be that Jerry wanted, like, for that kind of situation where it would be a big deal like that, maybe he wanted the same kind of money or compensation over the course of a contract, and just the UFC's offer was better. I mean, fighters just got to follow the money. So if it it worked out better for him, he's got to do it, and even if Coke or
0: Salty, that's. That's the game, you know, you can't, you don't win them all, Because it Coker, be just the value to
1: Bellator is different than the value of Jerry to the UFC where they're pushing Jones so hard.
0: Coker doesn't really air, you know, dirty laundry or what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, Dana White and the UFC tend to do that um, a lot. So I'll just really, uh, the way that he... Yeah, it's tre- different. It almost seemed out of character. It would be like the, the Scott Coker
1: equivalent of Dana just pitching one of his tantrums. But it was like it was still like really in the pocket. But it it was for him. It was like whoa. Take
0: I it wouldn't have been this, you know it wasn't anything. You know it wasn't anything. I wonder. a Normal person, but he is very he's very careful with his words. I wouldn't have been surprised if even Jerry had like verbally agreed to come to Bellator at some point, And I guess Scott Coker probably was expecting him to sign a contract. But then you know whatever UFC offered him, or you know because towards sidechain, different direction, or something. Again, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's a lot of personal biases going into this. Um, you, you know, Scott Coker. Yeah, as you, a, know, you, could, you know,
1: one way you could read into it is it, when he said, like, if you just try and read in between lines, it's hard to do, but when he said, oh, I think the top guy is like the Phil Davises of the world, Ryan Bate, it might have been they wanted him to fight Davis first. When it wasn't gonna happen as like a two fight, you know, champion champion thing, then maybe they wanted him to fight Davis to get Walt, and then fight the winner of Beta Nemkov and Jerry didn't like that. And then you know, I'm sure money was a was a factor, but it might have been oh, yeah. money and opportunity. And if the UFC was talking a better game, boom, they got the sign and they signed one of the absolute best light heavyweights in the world, one of the top, you know,
0: three clearly four guys in the whole planet. If he if he manages to defeat if he manages to go far UFC and defeat John Jones then I, you know, I don't want to say that you know defeating Ryan Bader is nothing, but I think you would rather have on your resume that you defeated John Jones, presuming he's still at light heavyweight by the time Giri's, uh, you know, climbing up the ranks. There, who knows? But you know, who knows? You know, Jiri could wind up losing every fight that in UFC. You know, who knows? Um, funny, how, it's just funny how MMA works sometimes.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how he navigates the cage. Like, I, prov- I, would, I would always prefer to see fighters under, like, Ryzen-style rules in the ring. It's just more dynamic, especially strikers. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if you had MVP ever fight Paul Daly again, and it's got to be MMA, it's got to be in Ryzen. Put in the stomps to soccer kicks, now we're talking. All knees. Now it's really hard to have a boring fight under the rules. You can't even stall. No cage humping.
0: But here's the thing, Sorry. Jerry doesn't do that. Jerry doesn't do it. Jerry try, finish, looks to finish all of his fights. Uh, oh, no,
1: no. I mean someone doing it to Jerry. And I imagine that's what Davis would have done to try to do to Jerry. Probably, I'm not sure about Nemkov, what he would, how he would game plan. Bader, definitely, they would be looking to ground, grind him into the cage and, and just beat on him. I'm not saying they necessarily could, but it's different in a ring. So I'll be interested to see how Jerry does. I'm definitely cheering him. He's a great guy, and... uh just like with Strike Force, when they went to the UFC, even though the UFC was never like my main thing, while other while options were around, uh, I always cheer my favorites.
0: Who would you know. put up against Jiri in his first fight? I think if that's I a bit, would, that's, that's, the, that's well, a hard question. I,
1: I, I mean, I would have him fi- fight one person at the most before getting a title fight. You just put him in there while he's hot. Say he's the rising champion, He's the, he's got wins over XXXX, and you put him in there while he's hot. Depends how the UFC want to work
0: it. I would say they might give him, well, might give him bad, bad matchups with on a on good placement
1: on a card in his region for views, but bad stylistic matchups because they don't want him.
0: Well, here's the you know,
1: one like it depends on the politics, I guess. But if well, they want to push him and give him the right styles, yeah, that would be a great fight. Him and Jones, I'd love that shit. The
0: fights, the the name that I have seen most when it comes to uh, who Jiri should fight. The name I have seen a lot is Jean Blankowitz. Yeah, I've
1: knocked Rockhold silly. Yeah, that would be cool. But someone who's, so I don't know what kind of streak he's on because I, you know, I don't really pay attention to the win streaks in New York anymore because they don't mean anything when it comes to their bookings. The sport, they don't really book by sport, so that's less fun for me. Like, I, like trying to guess what Beltor is going to do, I'm right, like a lot of the time. But especially he's, for a major fight. So, look at the brackets like a sport, and it's, they usually come
0: within one slot, one ranking slot of hitting it, just like a sport. He's so, on a two-fight win streak. Uh, obviously, like you said, knocked out Rockhold and then went to a split decision uh, win over uh, Souza, which I heard was a terrible fight. I heard that was an absolutely horrendous fight. Well, um, the
1: thing is, Chakray's like, no, a legend, but he's old, man. I saw him... F- I saw one, I can't remember which fight it was. A couple fights ago for him, I saw him. He, he, he doesn't move like Ray. He moves like Keith Jardine. But mm. he's not Keith Jardine, you know what I mean? That's not his style, that's just he's old now. It's, no, there's no shame in it, he's still dangerous to some people, but he's, it's not, you know, some people just aren't the same. Whereas other people, you know, people age differently too, but some people just naturally, when they start to get
0: old, you see they don't move the same. I saw somebody... Whereas, same, more like Masasi. Mm. lost to him. But he's like 33 or 34.
1: Jack Ray's like 40 now, and he looks 40 when he fights. But I'm not disrespecting him because he's an absolute legend.
0: So the other name yeah, I saw was uh, Krylov, Nikita Krylov. But he's just saw that he lost his most recent fight. And I don't, you know, I don't want You shouldn't bring somebody in and have him face a loser, who you pre- I'm presuming you want to climb the ladder. Uh, I guess one other name that I'm gonna think of will uh, be the uh, would be OSP, Open Saint Prue.
1: They could do that. See, I mean, they don't have footage for him, so they're probably going to need to build
0: him up. Oh, he'll and be on the he's going to be on a prelim card yeah. for like Prog or something. That's where that's he, maybe even main eventing. Uh, uh, it's said. like Proc Blackmits.
1: I mean, that's that's a good matchup, but then they'll give him at least one more. They're going to need footage of him, so they have the same problem that Bellator has had uh,
0: signing free agents
1: they don't have the footage. Well, here's the
0: like I think I could see them see them you know going going to Ryzen and using. Uh, well, just, you know, paying Ryzen for some footage or something. Here's the thing as well. He also, you know, I mean, I guess if they want they could do that. Um, I don't know, use random training footage. He, I mean, this is not, this won't be his first. He's technically has done commentary for UFC. So it's not like he's never been in UFC. He's actually been, been with UFC, uh, for quite a while. I think as long as his Ryzen, uh, tenure, uh, doing commentary for the, uh, those Eastern European shows.
1: Yeah, I mean the rumor went up several times. He had signed with them, made a big deal, and I was like, he's not going to sign with them. But then this last time, when it looked like he might actually sign with them, like we knew he was a free agent, and you know he was, he had said he wanted to the. Yeah, then I was thinking like, okay, well, he's going to go to Bellator maybe, or he'll go to the UFC. And, you know, I'm just glad he. I just hope that he took the best deal.
0: I think he did. And, uh, I will.
1: that he's happy, and the, they should give him a big push. They need. To build up big fights for Jones, if they want to cast him, because Jones has a lot of baggage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not just the eye poking stuff or any kind of decisions people thought went his way unduly, but like the whole steroids baggage and the fact they move a card so that he can fight dirty. I mean, so they need to do some extra shit, build up some epic matchups for him so people won't pay as much attention. Maybe bring a guy in from Ryzen and from a PR angle, you'd be like, well, he was fighting under no testing. So if he's fighting Jones, we can just go ahead and call this a fair fight. Even if that's not a fair PR angle, it's one they could use. So hopefully he'll get a big push, man. He's a badass dude. He's not—he's young. Uh,
0: With that, Teep, I actually do have to head out now because I'm going to be watching the Royal Rumble show. Just give everybody—so let everybody know when the next Bellator show is, uh, and uh, how people can watch them, and give all of your social media and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So the next Bellator show. February 21st, they're in Oklahoma, and then February 22nd, they're in Dublin for the seventh Euro Series card. That's uh, James Gallagher's fighting um, Cal Eleanor, a rebooked fight Cal had to pull out of. And they're going to put they're going to get that on. It's a fantastic card. And the night before, Ed Ruth fights Yaroslav Amazov. Uh, Ruth, I think, is 8-1 now. Amazov is 22-0, although that is a padded 22-0. So it's pretty even as far as like high-level experience between the two guys, and I'm hoping that you know that that should put those guys either in a title shot position or a number one contender fight position, because that's some high-level shit. Amazon and it's like you kind of have to strike while the iron is hot. Both those guys are hot. Ruth rebounded from the loss to Gracie magnificently with, with I think two fights now, uh, and I just think. You know, they uh welterweight's a badass division, so it's hard to say what'll happen. They're trying to squeeze MVP back in there, but he needs something better. There's a lot going on. But anyway, February twenty first, February twenty second, find me on social media at Teep to the Junk. And on Reddit it's little dashes on either side of Teep to uh, the Junk.
0: And you, Andrew. also Andrew. Well also we're gonna get uh, what are the uh, what are you Umada Bell Nation on uh Reddit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, moderator of the subreddit Bellator Nation. I uh, try to keep it updated. I'm I'm busy. It doesn't seem like it because I'm always doodling on the, the social media, but I'm too busy to keep you like thoroughly updated. And do what I can. Feel free to come in, join in, post content. You can usually find stuff on there, especially in the buildups to fights.
0: Yes, and uh, if you want to follow us at We Are Rising, you can follow us on Twitter on. At We Are Rising Pod. You can follow my personal account at Abenja1. If you want to follow my absent co host, uh, Jay Christian Gary, you can fo- uh, follow him at ChrisGary92 and for the website that he contributes to, Focus Fights, which is at Focus Fights. And you can also follow us on Rise, We Are Rising Podcast on YouTube and listen to the shows on Stitcher and on SoundCloud. And with that, uh, I will be going to watch the Royal Rumble now. Teep, thank you once again. We definitely will be talking for a future Bellator show, perhaps the uh, Bader-Nemkov fight, and then uh, uh, definitely for a future Ryzen show, especially at the tournament. Hell yeah, man. Rock and roll. Thanks for
1: having me.
0: No problem, Teep. Take care. All right, bro.